Welcome to the Digital Ascent Podcast. This is episode 0004, and today we'll be discussing the recent Warner Brothers restructure and any cheat in video games. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. So thank you guys for tuning in to the Digital Ascent Podcast. This is episode 0004. Uh, the main topic today is going to be anti-cheating games, uh, but the current event we're going to open with the Warner Brothers restructuring. And for that, I'm going to let Jordan do some talking about this because he's the one that's kind of read up on this. And uh, I kind of I want to see what he has to say because this is, based on what I've seen so far, they're making some pretty big moves. Is that correct, Jordan? Yes, sir. And, um, you know, the crazy thing is, you know, we're, we're recording here uh, kind of at the beginning of August. So by the time this episode comes out, we will definitely have more information um, on like what's going on. Um, but holy crap, like <laughs> Warner Brothers dropped some bombs uh, here at the end of uh, this week. Uh, we're what's today, August 7th. Uh, so first week of August. Uh, and they've they've dropped bombs, man. Um, there, I don't know if people understood or maybe had ideas that this was uh, going on. And we've got some articles that we're gonna kind of go through and cover. And um, I guess there are some signs that maybe hinted to this uh, a couple months ago. But if you are a normal consumer like myself and the fine gentleman <laughs> uh, in this podcast, uh, this is probably a surprise to you as well. Um, so the big piece of this here, um, and I think the big thing that most people will care about is HBO Max is going away. Um, and it's not going away and, you know, in its entirety, but the name HBO Max, uh, the app as we know it, uh, will be shut down next summer. Uh, and it'll be merged into um, one of Warner Brothers other, you know, streaming apps, uh, the Discovery Plus app, um, which I don't think you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if you would know either. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of stuff or actually anything. I don't think I've ever used Discovery Plus, but I don't think that it's it's an app that's been around for longer than like a year. If that. Uh, I think yeah, that's I can't, I can't like say the, I've used it, to be honest. I, I, yeah, and I... Uh, exactly. Yeah. So this is... I, the reason that I... Mm-hmm. The reason I bring this up is it's, it's weird, right? Like, I, I would think that if I'm Warner Brothers right now, like HBO Max is it is fighting above its weight class. You know what I mean? Like it's one of my favorite streaming services. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm real tuned in what the people are, what the people are liking. And and we really like HBO max. All right. Now that's a real generalized term, but just speaking to you guys and uh, you know, having the general understanding, we're all on the same page. We don't use discovery plus and I get it. We are not the four horsemen of, you know, streaming services everywhere, but this is the thing that confuses me is more people are using HBO Max and Discovery Plus. Uh, so why, why would we get a, you know what I mean? Why would we get rid of one and shift that over into the other? Um, so my thought process here, uh, and this is going into the, the grand, you know, overall theme of uh, why this kind of transition is happening. My thought process here is uh, Warner Brothers obviously is trying to save some money. They're looking at where, you know, they can cut costs. And um, again, we have, we have some articles that we'll link, you know, here to, to corroborate this, but um, it, it seems like Warner Brothers understands that they are spending two different streams of revenue on, you know, maintaining both all of their streaming apps, right? Uh, we could look at like CNN plus, which was an app that launched just a few months ago and was literally shut down a few weeks after that. Um, and so, you know, oh I God. think, uh, with, uh, and th- that's another, that's an app that was owned by, you know, the Warner brothers, Oops. you know, discovery, you know, application. And that's one of those events that, you know, kind of people who are paying attention to the stuff were kind of like, Hmm, <laughs> that's probably not the last one that that's going to happen to. So we look at these two apps and I think that discovery it's been around longer, I think than HBO max. And I can confirm that. Um, right now, that's that's my assumption. It's been around longer. Warner Brothers has spent more money on getting like the infrastructure set up on the Discovery Plus side. So they'll get rid of HBO Max. They'll merge everything over on Discovery Plus, and they'll now have one big giant, you know, streaming app that all of their, um, you know, their IPs or their intellectual properties can can be viewed from. Right, instead of getting it from different places across the board, you're kind of splitting your your viewer base there. But here we go back to the shock value stuff. It's not just like, 
hey, we're shutting down this app and that's the end of everything that's going on. They're also like restructuring um, some of their uh, DC IPs and actually not some, all. Uh, they did announce um, uh, Friday morning um, or Thursday evening. I'm, I might be wrong on that, but late this last week, August 7th, the week of August 7th, uh, the DCEU, the DC Expanded Universe, that's their, their movie universe uh, opposite of the MCU, right? Uh, is going to be reset. <laughs> So, that's that's wonderful branding. Um, it it just I like I, it. So you, I am. <laughs> it is uh, there. We're now talking about like hundreds of millions of dollars to, um, if not billions of dollars at this point to kind of set up or you know create uh, an expanded universe that would literally just rival. Just toss me one mil out of that budget. That's all I need. Dude, at this point, you know what I'm saying, Sean? Like, at this point, I feel like a lot of fans are thinking the same thing. And it doesn't just start, or I'm sorry, it doesn't just stop at the movies. This is also affecting some of their TV shows um, and uh, some of the movies that that were already in post-production. So one of those, um, which I think was the nearest to be, it's already completed. It's Batgirl. Batgirl was just canceled. Um, that'll never see the light of day. That was not, uh, to my understanding, the, this was a continuation of the, uh, the version of Batgirl that was played by Ruby Rose on the, you know, CW TV show. Uh, this was a big deal though. Um, it was supposed Mm -hmm. to take place in the same universe as like Ezra Miller's flash and, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman and like Michael Keaton was on the, you know, build to, you know, uh, uh, Who's going to show up and play Batman, man? Like (laughs) Brendan Fraser was on the cast. Like the movie was already completed. It was in post-production and almost completed. And it was just canceled. They just took it off and they said, Hey, this is not, it doesn't meet the tone or or the direction that we're trying to go. Um, And, and that, you know, stuff starts to come out. I don't think that it would have been a giant success anyways. And I mean, like some of the early reports from their test audiences were saying it, it felt like a bad episode of TV. Um, and I, I feel like that's not really something it's, that you want. It's like, still crazy though, because the, I'm crazy. looking, I'm looking at the content now and, and it's estimated they spent $90 million Absolutely. making that film oh. only to can it. I, I can't believe that they wouldn't at least release it in some format, maybe not the big screen, but like drop right. it on your but streaming on the platform Discovery at the very least. Or, or HBO. Exactly. But that's right. not even the and only thing. Off of it. They had another, there was another Supergirl, um, there was a Supergirl project that was getting ready to come out that was going to, you know, come out on the opposite side of this Flashpoint event. Um, and it was a big deal. A Latina Supergirl, like this was like, hey, for the culture, yes, that just right. got canceled. And same boat, I, I believe they spent upwards of $50 million on production already. Oh my God. Uh, and I think as of, I think it was earlier this week, it's canceled. It's done. They're not doing it. So uh, the, the big point here is uh, for everybody that's listening to this point, the big takeaway here is that HBO Max will be going away <laughs> uh, in the very near future. To my knowledge right now, the uh, the migration or like the, the cutover for HBO Max to dissolve and like fade into discovery is not happening until next summer. Um, so that's the scheduled kind of date right now. Um, by the time this episode comes out, we'll have uh, a bunch of articles or information linked to the show notes. So you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, and on top of that, again, we'll have more information uh, by the time this episode, you know, goes live. We'll have another couple of weeks for for Warner Brothers to kind of come back and give us more understanding of what's going on because right now they haven't given <laughs> very much of anything outside of, we wanna do some restructuring and all of these different moves will allow us to do better and compete better uh, in our different markets. So uh, I'd, I'd yeah, imagine this is why the Arrowverse stuff is being wrapped up too, right? Like, I believe so. Yeah, I, there's, I, th- uh, I think Flash CD- is on its last season now. Yes, you're like, exactly they right. One more, uh, and that's it. And Teen Titans also was just canceled. So like, there and, was and also- Arrow was canceled. I think during COVID, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So this has been a long time coming. I think as soon as Zack Snyder, they realized that they didn't want to go down that direction. I feel like they said, Hey, the DC needs a soft reset or a hard reset. Flashpoint was supposed to be that, but now there's a bunch of stuff going on with Ezra Miller and all this other stuff. So it's like, Hey, for Warner brothers sake and, and DC, this, 
this kind of refresh fits their brand anyways. They're getting ready to can a bunch of stuff and, and you know, it's Febreze Brothers, you know? <laughs> Let's give it a fresh it's start Febreze and uh, we'll just, we'll go from there. And oh, uh, like I'm, I'm genuinely excited to see, I don't want to say excited, but interested to see uh, where they Oh yeah, I'm, I mean, with, we don't have a choice. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I Sean, Sean, what was your question? Yeah, I had a question really quick. So did they, I didn't get a chance to read it. Did they give any price points as far as what that, that overall subscription looks absolutely like, not is that absolutely yeah, I didn't not think so. <laughs> yeah no and i don't even know like right now and that's the funny thing is right now there's probably going to be um there's going to be some room for them to increase whatever the price point is right now i think i'm paying yeah, like 10 bucks or something for hbo max i would imagine that discovery is the same thing but if they're going to merge the two services like you're getting two more. times I'm, the I'm content gonna, and so yeah. you know i'm going to say 15 that's going to be that's going to be my yeah my hat and which is not bad you know yeah and it allows them to be competitive as far as like yeah netflix is concerned you pay i think right now for like a hd subscription at a minimum it's like 17 bucks or something like that so um they're gonna stay competitive uh just depends on what we're looking at we'll have to wait more for that and i don't imagine that we'll get any of that information anytime soon we're probably looking at like quarter one for those things at the earliest of next year so right. uh, stay tuned. I mean, the we'll full, talk about it the full fledged HBO max is already 15 a month. Oh crap. Okay. With, so without ads. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you, well, you've got mind. the ad supported okay, and you've got the, yeah, Oof. you've got two versions yeah. of it, two tiers. So, I mean, if they combine that, I'd imagine it's going to go up because they're going to be like, well, we're giving you more for the money. And, and yeah, I, I agree. I, I think they'll It'll do be the tiered, same thing. Maybe. Look, I, Maybe so. I mean, I'm that. sure they'll probably still do the ads and no ads sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, hope, I feel like most everybody we, is now. If we continue back down this path of like, oh, we're just going to continue to segment, you know, the the subscription service. Like we're literally just at like inter-based, internet based cable subscription services now. And we're it's just there. like. Yeah, that's Why can't, I know, and do I don't want to go further down the path. I don't want to. I don't want to go it's further so down annoying. that path. <laughs> it's All like, right, we're it's getting like the video game platform, except worse. <laughs> it really is. This is true. This is yeah. Hard stop. Let's uh, hard I will, stop. I will rant about different topics. Different topic. Brent, we'll pass it on. We'll pass it on back to you. We got the we got the current events out of the way, sir. Can you tell us a little bit about what our main topic is today? Absolutely. I did want to read this other little tidbit out on, on the on the podcast, which is apparently eight, between HBO and HBO Max programs, there's been 140 Emmy nominations for their content. And that's the most of any other network. So I'm sure they're probably leaning on that, too, as justification to like, hey, we can do whatever we want <laughs> because you know, why get we're, rid of that we're name? Already, I don't know, man. I guess they feel like if anybody can do it, they can do it. So that's a good point. I mean, H- yeah, HBO has been around a minute, man. HBO has been around yeah. a lot longer than some of the other ones. So, you yeah. know, not, not in this form factor necessarily, not in this, the service package, but I mean, gosh, I remember watching HBO 30 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, so, uh, okay. Yeah. So we'll jump into the main topic. Something I did want to, uh, call out because I didn't call it out earlier. Not that it matters so much now, but we do have the entire crew with us tonight. We've got myself, Jordan, Matt, and Sean all here tonight recording this, uh, for this main topic, we are talking about anti-cheating games. And this is, this is an interesting one because, and, and I, I do want to clarify too, that this kind of really only applies for the most part, to multiplayer games. Uh, that I mean, and that's where this comes into effect. Obviously, you're not really looking at stopping people from cheating in a single-player game. Like, a lot of your single-player games even still have, you know, console commands and key combinations and stuff like that that you can enter to, quote-unquote, cheat. So this topic here, we're specifically talking about online multiplayer games where... Cheating has been prominent ever since their inception, pretty much. And so, you know, the, the big thing around this and anybody that plays video games that has a multiplayer component will know that this has been a struggle for many, many years. It's never been perfected. Some games have done better jobs than others. I should say some developers have done better jobs than others. And there, there's always this struggle. And so that's what we're going to cover tonight with the first point being cost 
uh, as being the number one kind of hurdle that these developers are facing when it comes to implementing any sort of anti-cheat or mitigation into a game. And what's crazy about that is that when I did research on this, and I don't know if you guys were able to find anything after the fact, after I posted notes and stuff like that, but I was unable to find any real numbers. There's a lot of speculation no, as to how much. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't like just bad at doing research then because no, no. there's lot there's lots of people on Reddit, you know, that speculate, oh, you know, these types of developers and software engineers cost this much and blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to throw any numbers out tonight because, I mean, you can go Google that and find people having essentially the same kind of conversation we're having right now. But you or but these people or these developers are spending one lots lots of time just enormous amounts of time as well as money and then just the fact that they even have to hire individuals to maintain these things so like i said I wasn't able to find it any cost but you can just imagine given those you know those three kind of components of it that it's it's not cheap and this is also when you know the big focus for a lot of these developers obviously is especially coming into it is less anti-cheat and more what are we going to do to hook players? We have to have right. good content, right? We have to have, we have to keep them coming back. We're once again, we're talking about online multiplayer games. It's not like your solo experience, your single player games where you build 30 hours of content and then that's it. And you're done. We're talking about a kind of a dynamic games. Like a big one that comes to mind when I think of that, like a service you know, a game as a service would be something like Destiny 2, where they're constantly iterating, they're constantly building on to it. Yeah, constantly. They're constantly giving you a reason to come back. Uh, me, yeah. me and Sean know that all too well. And, and heck, Jordan, yeah. too. I know Jordan's a big fan of Absolutely, Destiny 2. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but so for these sorts of folks, they're, they're all, there are platforms that are already out. Uh, there are companies that make specifically like anti-cheat platforms for these developers to use so that the developer themselves do not have to build their own, their own platform. Well, the big one is VAC or valve anti-cheat. That's one that is completely integrated into steam. If you're a fan and a player of counter-strike left for dead, any of the, the kind of steam or source based games, you've seen a VAC pop up at some point or another. Um, that's free to developers. Once again, that's tied to the steam platform. As far as I know, in the research that I did, uh, the Steam platform is, or I should say VAC, is specific to the platform in a way where the developer would have to integrate their game into the whole Steam platform in, in, in order to take advantage of VAC. So it's not like they can just kind of throw VAC into the game and then publish their game everywhere. So that's one downside to that. And then that still leaves you know the developers themselves to have engineers and resources assigned to making sure that that's, you know, that anti-cheat system is compatible with their game. Um, and then you have other ones too, that are much more universal, easy anti-cheat. I know a lot of us have seen that as well as battle. Eye. easy anti-cheat is actually also free. That's the one offered by Epic games. Uh, it does not tie them. Ironically, it does not tie the developers to the Epic game store. And they've vowed that they're not ever going to do that. So that's interesting. Mm, I'm going to jump in and disagree with you there, man. I don't actually find that like, I mean, I guess it's interesting, but it's not very surprising. If you look at, um, like, if you just kind of like look back at the history between Valve and Epic, Epic has been kind of branding itself as this developer friendly storefront and platform. And you, you see that even with some of the rates that they, that they put in there and you know it's it's part of their shtick gimmick whatever however you want to phrase that right is the concept that they can be um nicer and charge less and less aggressive and that you you don't have to play hardball to do it you don't have to play hardball to get by yeah just, I mean, just very my, true. my my two cents on it think about when we did the episode with terms of service i would say Gog and then Epic were my two favorite terms of service that I read. So I, I guess that kind of makes sense that they're trying to be the way. And look at all the free games they give you. I mean, dude, like every month they're giving you free games. So I guess that, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're doing other things to, to keep you coming to their platform. 
Mm-hmm. Thing, things uh, that Steam's only recently started doing. Like, when did you see Steam giving away free games prior to yeah. Epic doing it? Every now and then, you get a free game Steam on Steam. Now, gave free games away. <laughs> and it's very rare. It's very rare, and it's nothing like Epic Games, where they're doing like you know, like bi-weekly right. releases of stuff and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with like you know, if you have Prime and all that, you've got a bunch of free games that you can get. But right. anyways, we're we're sidetracking a little bit. Um, but so yes, easy anti cheat on that side. Games like Apex Legends, Rust, Fortnite use that. Of course, Fortnite's going to use that because well. They're built by Epic yeah, Games. Well. <laughs> Battle Eye is another one. And I do want to say that, you know, just because these are free, you, you would think that because these have such a, a wide breadth of saturation with games that they would be better. But it actually is the opposite. And we'll get to that eventually. But some of these more open source, if you will, they're not really open source, but these open platforms like Easy Anti Cheat and VAC, they've been around for so long and they're a part of so many different games that they've been cracked time and time and time again by, you know, people making cheats essentially. So uh, you also have battle. Eye. battle. Eye is not upfront about their costs. They are not free. That is in games like uh player unknowns, battlegrounds or PUBG as it's called, or for short uh, rainbow six siege escape from Tarkov. So somewhere along the line there, they've made an agreement with the battle. Eye devs. I don't know what that, you know, it looks like financially to integrate that. Once again, that's another one of those things. All of these that I've mentioned so far are, you know, someone is managing the cheats that are specific to that game. So it's not like the developers are able to just flat out implement it and then rely on the actual anti-cheat provider. They're just essentially, it's, it's almost, it's very similar to you buying antivirus for your computer. They're going to they're gonna manage the, the knowns but the unknowns are kind of up to you. You have to not click on things you shouldn't click on. This is kind of the same with this, where they have to be on the lookout for things that are specific to their game and their code that could be exploited that the generic anti-cheat's not going to catch. So that's where we, we kind of jump into the in-house development of anti-cheat solutions. Obviously, those are going to be more costly because they have to hire a whole development team to do this, engineers to maintain it, they're, you know, it's not a, it's not a one and done sort of thing. None of these are, they have to put these systems in place and then they have to maintain them over time because for just as much work as they're putting in the cheating community, the cheating development community is putting in two times as much time to get around, you know, a block for a, an aimbot or a, a block for ESP or, you know, wall hacks and so on and so forth. That's so all here's money, the difference man. though. Well, we'll think about it this way, right? You have a limited team of people that are specifically working at a company to counteract this. You have a huge, like millions of players and people that could potentially try to break through that code. Now, they may not all do that, right? But some of them definitely, like, there's a, definitely a community for it, obviously, because they continue to do it. So, you like, the resource distribution mm-hmm. between those that are actually trying and the ones that are defending is probably unbalanced i would think because it costs way more more money there on the developer side than it does on you know the community that can then sell that product you know to to other gamers and go hey you know we've got aimbot we've got wall hacks you know all this stuff so like i i could definitely see how that would be a difficult thing to combat so let me, I have a question here and it sounds like, um, I came ready for this question. Okay. Because I knew if anybody was going to know about any cheat, it was going to be y'all. Okay. Right, so go for it. if, uh, especially look, you don't even have to know a lot about any cheat or why it's needed. Uh, and, and in order to know why it's needed, I mean, in 2022 playing an online game, I mean, these games are rampant with cheaters today. Like, <laughs> my kids are going to yeah. know what a cheater looks like before, you know, I did. <laughs> because it's just going to be, you know what I mean? Like, when they're up and playing video games. So, the question the question that I have for you guys is, like, I want to use Call of Duty as a prime example. All right? There have been Call of Duties coming out every year for, like, the last 20 years. That's been the schedule for Activision. Okay? Um, and I am curious as to why it took them so long to have 
like a reliable any cheat put into their game. All right. So I, and I don't even, I don't even, I'm not like a frequent player of Call of Duty now, but like speaking of their any cheat, like Ricochet, that was only implemented, I think, last year when um, Vanguard rolled out. And so they were rolling Warzone without an any cheat and all of the Call of Duties prior to that without any cheats. And like Activision was having That's to crazy. manually ban tens of thousands of people like every every month or so and it was for years they did that like this is this has been a thing for a while but the community got really upset about it you know right after call of duty 2019 came out modern warfare 2019 and um and they said hey the, an nhe is coming it's coming it's coming don't worry about it blah 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 and then we finally got one but they're still kind of tweaking it and stuff like that so anyways my point is um why why did they not launch like why as soon as they realized that cheaters were a problem in their game, why did it take them so long to to do anything? They didn't even find, they decided they were gonna make their own anti-cheat, but like in the interim, their option, their, their, you know, the route that they took was to just manually ban people. And it like, you wanna talk about like resources being wasted. I mean, their player base suffered. Um, watch time, view time suffered across the board on Twitch, YouTube, because nobody wanted to play their game. Uh, so, you know what I mean? Like, I guess I get my question here is, is why did it take so long? Why do we, I think, a, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it was a big shift to the, the battle net ecosystem. Uh, there is, if you look it up and I remember this being part of the research I did on this topic. There were actually, back when Call of Duties were actually being released on Steam and whatnot, there were iterations of Call of Duty that were being protected by VAC. That makes sense. By, okay, by so virtue of Steam, being released on Steam. Okay, the Steam version kicked in. Okay. So back, okay. back when they were multi, you know, quote unquote, multi-platform, if you will, across the PC ecosystem, they did have some level of coverage from some of the solutions I've already mentioned. And I think okay. with their, their move over to the Battle.net platform, they did not have a good solution for that yet. But that doesn't, and that, and that doesn't, and make that's any why sense. 2019 suffered. And yeah, cause yeah, they were doing everything yeah. manually. They were, they were just, they were just investigating reports from the players and they had a team, you know, quote unquote team team could team could be, you know, <laughs> as small as two or it could be 200. I, we don't know. I don't think, but right. right exactly. So they're like reviewing, you know, <laughs> quote, they're reviewing tickets and and oh, oh this God. guy looks like he's cheating. You know what I mean? And then they're going through that and Rip. doing that process, oh and that's gosh. why it was terrible. Rip it, exactly. Dude, and it's and that's that was the a part, good idea, dude. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. It's like they decided they decided <laughs> yes, one, ooh. and it's not like in 2019 we were already well into the the games as a service live games, you know, being a thing. You know what I mean? What? I think that push or that kick happened in 2017. We were already. It's not like you know Activision had not put games out before that that you know relied on the community coming back to the game so in my mind it makes no sense outside of like greed of why they were in a rush to remove their games you know their their games that are still being supported from <laughs> the steam ecosystem to put over on their own game launcher that did not offer the same supporter protection that steam had and all they had to do was wait until it was ready you know what i mean like I, I it's it's like the cyberpunk thing all over again. I'm not going to go on a tangent about <laughs> cyberpunk. I promise. It's just like, why do we rush things before they're ready, especially in a day and age where like your game's uh, survival time is severely dependent on how much the community engages with your game. Uh, so right. maybe launching a couple titles without, you know, an anti cheat is not the best idea. <laughs> Especially when your only alternative or answer to that is to manually ban people by the thousands, sometimes well, hundreds of so thousands every couple of months. Here's the thing. So here's gross. the thing, though. I think I think I think this will get addressed in some capacity a little bit later on, as far as maybe some of the whys, because there are reasons. There, there's other negative impacting factors beyond the player base for you implementing the anti-cheat as well. And I don't want to yeah, still Brent's I'm aware of yeah, that. Yeah, so, so, some of yeah. the technical stuff, yeah, and yeah, we'll get yeah, into yeah. that. We won't spend too much time yeah. on that because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too far. But sure. uh, 
But absolutely. And I, I do think there's a little bit of the mentality from Activision and the involved parties, the developers and whatnot, of too big to fail. People always come back to Call of Duty, regardless of whether God, anybody here likes it, loves it, hates it, whatever. <laughs> this is the exact reason, if you've been following news, why Sony is very upset still about this merger for uh, Microsoft and Activision. Um, and all those IPs and stuff like that, because even though Microsoft is saying, hey, we're not going to make it exclusive to our, to our devices, to the PC and to the Xbox, they're still concerned that later on it may become an exclusive. And Sony has flat out mentioned, I think, I don't think it was a U, the US-based Sony either. I'm trying to think of where it was. I'll have to find that and, and maybe throw that in the show notes just for an interesting fact for folks that actually care about it. But it, uh, it kind of leaked out that like Sony was super concerned of hey call of duty accounts for x amount of cash on our platform yearly and we don't want to lose that because of this Absolutely. acquisition yep so there, wow. there's so that ties back into the whole i know you hate it sean too big to fail you know they they know <laughs> that people keep coming yeah. back to feast on call of duty every year and they're going to have enough people to keep it afloat there, there are so many developmental dollars spent on that game and that series. It's just incredible. But anyways, I actually, I do, I just, I do want to just throw out here really, really quickly. And uh, before we segue to our next point uh, for just, just because I love sticking it to Activision, uh, <clears throat> I would argue the opposite is, is true as far as too big to fail. I would, I would argue that they wouldn't have entertained a buyout if they were doing as well as they were five to 10 years ago. And if we look at, you know, the last two Call of Duty sales, which is maybe why they decided, hey, maybe we need to buck up and implement some kind of anti-cheat, whether it's our own or somebody else's. Obviously, they went the route of implementing their own. But the last two years Call of Duties are record low sales for the series out of the last 20 years. Um, right. maybe since 2019, they've declined. Releasing them every year, you Absolutely. might have some better sales. No, yeah. That is, that's the point. And I, I still want to just throw it out there. They are the lowest sales for Call of Duty. They are still like top five, top 10 title bestsellers of the year. Right. So only right. bad in the eyes of Activision. But I would just say that I think maybe just as a, a point of thought, food for thought, maybe they started to implement these things. Maybe they entertained, you know, the, the Microsoft buyout because, hey, I, we understand our community is not very happy with us. Obviously, they had a whole bunch of shit going on with like their CEO, Bobby Kotick, and ongoing stuff from last year to today, a bunch of like sexual assault allegations and stuff like, like it's not happy fun time in Activision right now. Uh -huh. So no um, they, I think all of this stuff, even the stuff we're talking about right, right now just feeds into like <laughs> they need to do better and they know they need to do better across the board. So anyways, um, Brent, please, uh, let me get myself away from that. Uh, well, they, they got lots of about... streaming coverage too. I mean, you know, they, yes. you got Tim, the tap man playing this game. It, yep. You got hundreds of thousands of viewers, but yeah, I mean, and then you got other companies doing it and doing it right to some extent. We'll get more into that, but Valorant, you know, that that's uh 10 cent who does, and that's, that, well, Tencent and Riot Games and all those guys, they do a, a platform or an anti-cheat solution that they develop in-house called Vanguard. And mm -hmm. we'll get into why that was so controversial or controversial here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, that's, these guys, they've got the money. They've got the know-how to develop these in-house solutions. Speaking of Riot Games, for Valorant, and, and so they have that implemented, the Vanguard platform in Valorant in League of Legends. But at first, I don't know if they're still doing this or not. They probably are, if I had to guess. But they offer up to $100,000 to any individual or, or team of like, you know, I guess white hat hackers, if you want to call them that, that can find <laughs> and document any significant, uh, significant vulnerabilities in their Vanguard anti-cheat system. Love so, that. And, and I, I know Matt came in here and, the, and, and added also the bug bounties sort of terminology, That's, which is mm -hmm. absolutely... Yeah, I've heard it referred to as that before too. Yeah, I do want to, and I do want to point out that um, there are many people out there who make a living doing that. Um, you know, you can teach yourself to code. Go ahead and you know teach yourself to work vulnerabilities, and you know stick your nose around ethically, right? Uh, in places that want Big. you ethically, in, everywhere, no, ethically. Yeah, no, for ethically. sure. Yeah, ethically. Yes, ethically. Where people explicitly have said, "Yes, you can look here. Please tell me if you find anything, and then you need to 
disclose responsibly, right? So don't go sell it on the dark net. That's that is the opposite of responsible. <laughs> that's right. And we just and we just is talked that, about breaking into the IT industry. For me. Mm-hmm. That's for, that's responsible yes. for my checkbook, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I joking. mean, I'm not joking. in the long term. <laughs> Definitely not if you go to jail. Uh, and I guess since I said responsible disclosure, I should cover what that means. Uh, in my mind, responsible disclosure looks something like. Um, giving the party that needs to be notified the, per, the the developer uh you know uh, 30 to 60 days to address the issue and then um you know then delivering it to a like known good disclosure third party i'm sorry i don't i wasn't expecting to talk about this so i don't have no man i think you're i, I think i, the, I was laughing i don't think we have friend. to define yeah <laughs> we're, we're yeah, good sorry. i think we're straight no Whatever. you're good for for double tracking there man i uh we all appreciate it, it was i'm laughing at like the wackiness of this how did we get here yeah. <laughs> ethical hacking well. like you know <laughs> Hey, it's, well, part, it's part of it for another it's day. Part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, you invited me to come, you know, talk on the podcast, you know, week after week. <laughs> and so I'm going to talk about stuff that I think is interesting in this case. It's bug no, absolutely, and, man. Hey. <laughs> and no, that, I mean, um, that, that's a, that, that's a real part of the anti of the anti sheet discussion. Right. Um, because there are people out there who are helping make your gaming experience better and they're making a living doing it. And they're wait. basically living like paycheck to paycheck like that. Yeah, I think there was a thing with Team Fortress 2, right? There was a, was it Lamau? I think there was. Was I reading that up? Like, they they had somebody come to them. It was Team Fortress 2, and they were taking heavy hits. It was, like, horrible, horrible cheating. And then, like, one of the gamers ended up finding what was happening and, and sent it to them, and they were able to get it done. So, I mean, there's a, I'd have to go find the article that said it, but I remembered reading that during research yeah so, there's, there's been mean, quite a few instances of that um mm-hmm. there was a group that did that for grand theft auto 5 for rockstar games where mm-hmm. that game has been notorious for having slow load times like the initial load and and oh, like two guys that. fixed the code and made it load almost instantaneously across all platforms and rockstar actually paid them and implemented the code across all their platforms because I they, think were they like, hired well, one of the guys off the team too uh it's, oh, i wow. think they did i think you you're right yeah it. that's crazy yeah, I love man, that. that's awesome. I love that. So standard. once again, time t- back to our last episode, breaking into the IT industry. It doesn't have to be specifically like mm-hmm. what we were talking about. You could, uh, you know, you could take the reins into your own hands and uh, grab the bull by the horns a little bit and, you know, go ahead and <laughs> jump into so, this sort of stuff, too. Let me I, ask I another question. R- real quick, I do. I, I, I serious time back to last episode. I do think that teaching yourself how to uh, penetration test and do vulnerability assessments like that. And then um, seeking public bug, bug bounty programs, that's that's a 100% viable self-learned way. It's going to be hard, but I mean, man, you can definitely do it. Just my two cents. Jordy, the floor is yours. No, for sure. I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, so uh, the question that I have is um, I have a general understanding of how any cheat, you know, um, is implemented uh, specifically, I know the most recent one, and I guess what I'm looking to do here is just match my knowledge against your guys's, right? The technical powerhouses of the of the group, um, and just try to see if we can get an understanding of how any cheat is again implemented. And so, with my understanding, uh, an any cheat like Ricochet, again, Call of Duty's um, any cheat, their in-house any cheat, um, that's something that's implemented. Like that's a kernel level any cheat, right? And so what that means is if you look at, you know, uh, most people are going to be playing on Windows, you know, computers or machines. Um, and so, you know, your Windows 10, Windows 11, whatever, that's your operating software. And your kernel is normally a layer under that. It's not something that you can see. Um, and normally the the things that you install, your software, your hardware, uh, there are these things called drivers um, that are attached to those. So the first time you plug in a brand new mouse or a brand new keyboard, uh, a driver is getting, you know, installed or, you know, your computer is matching a driver that it has already to this new software, hardware, whatever. Uh, the kernel yeah. is where the drivers live, right? So if a if an anti-cheat is a kernel level anti-cheat, 
It is specifically being put on that level so that it can monitor and identify everything else that's going on on, you know, your machine while you're playing the game. Do I have this right so far? Um, yes. I think of, I, I like to think of drivers as little instruction booklets for the yes. computer. And um, I would say that the kernel component is like the ability to understand the English language and the, um, the it's the system that I like. It, it's, it's the underpinning. It is the ability to read that booklet then and understand what, what sentence syntax is. It's like a translation hub. Mm -hmm. yeah i would say yeah. at, the, at the base of it uh kernel language is about is about zeros and ones and beep boops and driver language is like here's what an r looks like man, when gotta you love those print an r this is one of the things that like this is why i got into like it is like learning about this right and i've, I've kind of had some knowledge uh specifically about like the operating software and like the kernel layer and how those things work previous to researching like how any cheat you know worked but i remember when ricochet was being you know talked about and it was like oh that's crazy a new anti cheat is being made and i'm sure lots of anti cheats have been made in the last 20 years but call of duty for me was the first one that was like whoa there's some fame tied to this one and we get to see how it's going to be implemented because it is drastically needed um and so doing the research into that with like oh it's this is how anti cheat works this is how this is how they have the ability to like easily identify who's cheating, ban those accounts, and then more easily stop them from joining, you know, the the, the gaming community again. I know before Ricochet was rolled out, um, even if you were, you know, uh, banned and by Activision in one of their manual reviews, you could still get around that uh, very easily. More specifically, the the diehard cheaters, but even then, I mean, there were still thousands and thousands and thousands of them for Activision to still have to be, you know, banning the amount of people that they were. So um, I, I know with this kernel level, uh, level anti-cheat, it just becomes a lot harder. And I think that's one of the more, uh, that's one of the more, uh, uh, I guess, marketable aspects for a layman like myself, you know, somebody who's not really into this and can take a couple minutes to read. That sounds safe and secure. The second question that right. I have for you guys is do all, any cheats work at that level? Are they all on the kernel so, layer or? I believe we're sliding into point two. Yes. Yeah, we are. I mean, we, we have kind of firmly slotted into point two, which is, yeah, uh, it's, it's a, it's a two-parter. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause that the point two is kind of addressing security concerns uh, around kernel level versus application level. You'll, so, you'll also sometimes hear this referred to as ring three and ring zero. Ring zero being kernel, ring three being the application level. The big difference here is the ring three solution or the implementation is at the application level. Typically, that implementation is only looking at the game assets itself. So any of the game files in the, you know, the directory where the game's installed, anything that the game loads in the uh, memory, anything that the game loads in the VRAM, stuff like that. Anything that the game is touching it's able to see because it's running at that application layer. What you're referring to, Jordan, at the ring zero, and zero being the very beginning of the chain, being the kernel, right. that driver, so a lot of times that's like a dual implementation where there's an application layer and a kernel layer with the driver, and they're talking together, they're working together, and that, that kernel layer is able to see everything going on with the operating system. It's able to monitor everything for data integrity, all the processes, services, system calls, everything. Not just the game. Let everything ask, else let on your system. You, when you're you're talking about that that zero ring, am I in that application layer? Like you're talking about like the OSI model, right? Like I know I'm throwing it back here with terminology. I just want to make sure that there's not another application layer <laughs> that I'm it's, not. It's sim it's similar to that, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Th this is just this is just expressing kind of like your layers of the OS and what interaction each layer has okay. with files okay. and, Jordy, and, and processes don't and whatnot. Feel, Jordy, don't not, feel bad. Not the because OSI model, I, though. It's not the OSI model, but I Correct. It immediately it's sparked that. Yeah, it's 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 similar. So Okay. Yeah. And I just I yeah, that that is I'm glad it's similar because I can still visualize it in the same way, right? Like it's the kernel still comes before anything, you know what I mean, that that I would see or be able to interact with in a meaningful way as a consumer. Right. right is the is the just okay cool 
And, right, and, and, and that's where the consumer has brought up concern specifically with very, very uh, thorough, I should say, kernel-level driver-based anti-cheats like For Vanguard sure. that Riot Games developed because the way they implemented it was driver at the kernel level with application on top. It specifically runs all the time unless you close it manually. And that's only an option they added after the fact. It did just, when they originally implemented it, it ran all the time. And Boo. you would have to, you would have oh. to uninstall it completely Boo. to get rid of it. Boo. Now, Wait, so, so it was now, looking at everything that you had running, even witch. if you weren't running the game? Yeah, burn the witch. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it was they looking at, it was essentially spying on you. Yeah. It was essentially spying on you. So you, mm. so when it comes down to that, you have to trust so if you're, if you're the consumer and you love playing Valorant at that point in time anyways, you would have to really love Valorant for one, enough to where you trust Riot Games to not steal your data. Any data that's being collected by that kernel level driver, because that, all that information is getting sent back to a server somewhere, and yeah. they tell you, hey, we're only collecting X, Y, and Z, but is, are they? And, and the other are part they? of that is... How do you know? Could, right, how do you know? You're taking their word for it. And the Where's other part the of that too paperwork? is someone, a malicious actor could hack into that driver. If, if they're not developing it with security in mind, someone could leverage that as a middleman and they could be stealing your data by way of that anti-cheat solution. And that anti-cheat solution, you've already given it every bit of access on your system that you could possibly give it by, by letting it install itself alongside the OS at that driver also- kernel level. We're also getting into like uh, we're we're also kind of intersecting with you know our topic last I think last month where our current events topic where you know we talked about TikTok because if I'm not mistaken Tencent is also a Chinese owned like developer and if it's not Chinese I think it's South Korean but I'm almost positive it's a Chinese publisher and they are in a similar like you know a lot of people look at Microsoft and they're like oh my God Microsoft they have like a monopoly on a lot of stuff and like. That is that could be true in some perspectives, but like Tencent in comparison to Microsoft is like two to three times the size as far as like publishers and game devs that they have. So when you talk about like what it means for a publisher like Tencent to have access to your data, what does that mean for a a public? They are really big on like microtransactions. Tencent has been under fire for a lot of stuff. So if I'm if I'm Tencent. Why do I want that data? <laughs> so I can see what your spending habits are and I could put more microtransactions in my games that will be easier for you to spend money on. And so, hey, look, I'm not going to tangent any more down that, down that route. I'm just saying that we're doing a very good job of linking, you know, we're staying consistent with like data is important. Make sure that you are paying attention <laughs> to how your data is being used or stored on your machine or anywhere else uh, and things like any cheat. It's, it's just be something to, to be aware of. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, something it's just something of. to be aware of. Because, I mean, you if you want to play Warzone, you have to use Ricochet. If you yep. want to play Valorant, you have to use Vanguard. Yep. Most, most, if not all, of the previous ones I mentioned, VAC, Easy Anti-Cheat, Battle Eye, all of those, now have some level of kernel and application layer interaction. Uh, it's just about how deep they implement said interaction. The only reason I brought up Vanguard was because they're they were one of the biggest ones, and they had a lot of uh, they they made the news with the security concern aspect of it. So the the other part of that, so we addressed like the really big high level one, the security concern. The other part of that, and this kind of ties back into you, Jordan, asking, well, why didn't Activision do something sooner with Call of Duty? And the other big part of kernel level drivers is that they do tend to have more issues with system stability, uh, performance yep. issues, stuttering, you get FPS drops, even complete system crashes or blue screens of death. Yep, exactly. So that's another big reason why I think a lot of these developers have kind of strayed away from it for as long as possible or implemented it, but not implemented it at a level where they feel like it's going to be, uh, you know, go against the grain with what they're trying to deliver. Because a lot of these guys are already, you know, you talk about your small time developers and whatnot that already are re- releasing kind of like an early access game. It's not optimized. They're already having troubles kind of like getting it up and running. 
they're they're already kind of out in the cold on some of these solutions but it, it still brings the to light or to to question a little bit too though why did Activision take so long? Because you know they had the money, so their their priorities yeah, dude, were more uh, on I mean, making money than anything else. And let me here let me ask you another question here for you because we know that any cheat is not the end all be all as far as you know keeping the player base happy with a high quality of life and making sure their games aren't being interrupted by jerk bags, right? So um, we've heard of like I, I like that jerk bags. Other... That's, that's a good term. That's what we'll call <laughs> hey, it. You don't have to keep it family friendly <laughs> yeah, uh, for the for the podcast, right? Quick, you know. Um, so uh, my question here is like, we've heard of other implementations of like keeping the cheaters at bay, where like, and I, I couldn't give you a game name as an example, but I know you guys will be familiar with it. Where like, oh, we've identified this guy as a cheater. Well, we're going to put him in a queue that will only put him against other cheaters, like other people that we've identified or tagged as cheaters. So. Is there a reason, it's like, I would islands, almost I think, think is the way they phrase that. Yeah, would that not be like easier that. to do and more cost efficient to just, you know, reserve some servers for, you know, a, a player base, I, you know, or a, a fraction of your player base and then scale that as needed rather than, I, you know, doing the Activision approach where they dump a whole bunch of time and resources into their own any cheat? Um, what do you guys think about that? Uh, I think that it's cheaper not to process the data of those people. So, I mean, if you're going to do something, then you have to identify them. And then, you know, at that point, if it's either identify them and then shove them into their own islands, and you still have to, like, have servers and resources for them. Right. Or you just ban them. And goodbye. I I guess at that point, if you ban them, you have to start asking yourself questions like, do I ban IPs and then, you know, do yeah. I ban PNs and it starts getting right. stickier? So I, I mean, I well, see assuming that it identifies sides. it correctly Whatever. though. You know well, what I mean? Right. Like, so I mean, there, there are a ton of false positives in this kind of, mm. damn, that's a good the, point. Yeah. Yeah. This moves yeah. into point three, which is how effective is it? Cause right. You know, you see you, so like go watch 10, the tad man, like even he sits there with, however like 40k people sitting there and he's like mm, i don't they they might be i don't mm, i don't know maybe they are maybe they aren't maybe he's yeah. just really good at movement maybe he's really good at shooting you don't know um so that's kind of the problem is you can also negatively affect your player base by false positives right and you still have to process that data you know what i mean like it, it's right. not so cut yeah. and dry and that's what's R- so ricochet hard about that. ricochet is pretty funny with that because one of their later kind of updates to ricochet for Warzone was where cheaters if if it does detect them as cheating it won't instantly ban them they're just invisible to every other player so or oh, that's or right like awesome. that, like so so <laughs> so great. like well let me let me rephrase cuz i i phrased it incorrectly they can't see anybody if they're cheating so they're running around in a seemingly empty map, but other players can see them and kill them in war. I've seen this happen awesome. in real time. I've seen this happen in real time, and it is fantastic when you That's get to, true. I think Tim was playing, and he, was, he got killed. He was able to spectate, and you could see it in real time. The guy could not see anything on his screen, but he was getting jacked up. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's cool ways for them to do that. There, there's the, the developers are finding like unique ways to almost troll these, yeah. uh, these cheaters. <laughs> no damage is my favorite one. You just yeah, see yeah, that's like, another one. Peg headshot after headshot and it does zero damage. <laughs> so I guess is there you know normally I know we kind of uh, we have the ability to kind of end with like a call to action and um, I don't know that there's. I don't know that that really applies to this episode outside of like, hey, if you play a game that doesn't have an anti-cheat, voice your concern. You know, we live in a day and age where it's very easy to get in contact with like your developers and publishers of whatever game you you frequent. And the even greater thing about, you know, our society today is like devs and pubs are looking for that stuff actively. They actively are, you know, scanning through what the word is, you know, about their game. So if enough people are crying about it, chances are it'll be it'll be addressed. You know what I mean? Um, you guys yeah, have any that final hurts thoughts? revenue streams. <laughs> that hurts. Absolutely. Revenue streams so bad. They're they're They have to address it now. And I think that's the difference, right? It's getting to the point with multiplayer games where if you don't have your game 
at least halfway on lock, man, you're going to run into some really bad negative feedback, and that spreads like wildfire today. So I, I feel like a lot of it is on you to report when you do feel, you know, don't do the rage report garbage that doesn't help oh so that is a great here's point, the problem Sean. yeah here's the problem yeah, no, with that no when you false identify they are now having to sift through that data and you're helping them because now you're you're obfuscating you're you're putting up weeds for them to have to sift through to find the actual cheaters so haha yes rage report them but now uh-oh you do that 20 million times across the entire platform and now they have to go well okay which one's real which one's not and they're wasting resources so like and you know that's a that's an even great uh, that's a great point and that's even assuming that people are reporting anyways uh and i think it's a it's a lot more frequent today than it was like you know 10 years ago but make sure that hey if you are seeing those things bugs you know whatever mainly cheaters for the topic here but you know make sure you are actively reporting those things and just like sean said don't abuse that feature because if you are, you are only hurting <laughs> the developers who are actively trying to help uh, and make sure that your experience is not tainted by these jerkbags. So, right. And I do have some stats. I don't. I don't have a call of action, and and your fellow players. That's right. I don't really have a call of act or call to action, but I do have some stats I did want to share with folks because I, I thought these were pretty interesting. Uh, th and this was conducted in 2018 across. I think it said six different countries: China, Germany. Uh, Japan, South Korea, United Kingdom, and the United States. The first one was, I thought this was interesting, and, it, and this makes sense. More than half, 60% of gamers, have had their multiplayer gaming experience negatively impacted by other players cheating on multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. That's no big surprise there, right? I mean, I've, I've, I think everybody's here encountered a, a cheater in whatever game we're playing. So. Sure. 77% um, of on pl online players are likely to stop playing a multiplayer game online if they think other players are cheating and 48 percent of online gamers are likely to buy less in-game content as a result so you right there you've got a driving factor yep. for your developers Oof. to fix it <clears throat> yeah that's a lot of revenue <laughs> that's those are really high percentages oh my gosh wow yeah i mean it's it's super high so that that's another reason why you've got these guys you, you see the shift kind of go along with the more in-game content that's added the more they actually care about keeping malicious actors out of the platform because they're trying to get those legitimate people to stay in the system, spend money in that system, especially your free to play games like Warzone, like Fortnite. They're doing yeah, Fortnite, yeah. the best they can possibly do to keep cheaters out because if they don't, they lose revenue directly. So mm. that that's a big one right there that, that, that has been identified mm. time and time again. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought that players are less likely to spend money in your game if they're not having a good time? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, would have, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk that? Golly, man. Honestly, truly. It's, golly. It, it, it's like, man, it takes a lot of these devs to, it, it's like they're just figuring this stuff out now, man. It's like, I feel like we're not regressing as an industry, but like we are uh, constantly playing catch up. It's like the cable thing we were talking about earlier where we got away from cable like 10 years ago, and now we're falling into the same habits. The gaming industry is going to do the same thing, uh, where we're going to go away from, you know what? It's a conversation for another time. Let me just stop myself right there. Well, it, it is it is funny, too, though, <laughs> where uh, it was also mentioned in that same survey where there were people that answered the survey and said, well, I kept getting you know match made against cheaters, so I went out and got cheats myself. <laughs> and, and now I enjoy oh, the game. Man. Hey, so, look, man, it, you know, you if either, you can't beat them, join them sort of deal. Yeah, you live long enough, uh, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Great man wants <laughs> yeah, right. to that the truth. Oh, right. <laughs> Great quote. Great quote, Jordy. Great quote. <laughs> a that. fantastic one to close this out, bro. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, oh, well, is that, is that, do we call that right there? Is that, uh, yeah, I, think, I think that's it. I think we covered everything we wanted to cover. Absolutely. What a great, yeah, informative great, episode. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks everybody. Yeah. Uh, give us, fun. Uh, Thank you for listening. Give, yeah. Join, join our discord. Um, and, yes. uh, check out our show notes for all of our, uh, all of our, what's that? All of our citations. 
and good info. For what is this, MLA? We call them tidbits. How about tidbits? Yes, sorry. Little, good little good tidbits. tidbits. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Digital Ascent Podcast. While I have you here, friendly reminder to check out our Discord channel and forums, both of which can be found linked in show notes, which can be found in the episode's description. See you around.